Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Underground USA. While the media covers the obvious aspects of Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine, some of the more muted realities exist under the radar. From elements related to Putin's catalyst for invading the sovereign nation, to the fact that he is using some of the most brutal and merciless fighters on earth to do his bidding, the full story includes things that aren't just sanctions, NATO, the EU, and a bumbling U.S. president. You're listening to Underground USA. The recent discovery of several mass graves in Bucha, Ukraine, illustrates the epitome of the horrors of war. In fact, and in this instance, the mass graves illustrate the commission of crimes against humanity and war crimes. The targeting of civilians, such as the executions in Bucha revealed, constitutes a violation of the Geneva Conventions. They also reveal just how inconsequential life is to Vladimir Putin. One of the aspects of Putin's objections to Ukraine's embrace of the West, and especially NATO, is the legitimate complaint of perceived enemies having an aggressive launching pad for military operations just 262 miles from Moscow. We can equate this complaint to the Cuban Missile Crisis, in which the USSR sought to place nuclear-capable missiles on the island nation of Cuba, just 90 miles off the coast of the United States. In that event, the world came extremely close to full-on nuclear war. At the end of the two-week crisis, families clung to one another and communities came together. Churches and other houses of worship were full on a daily basis. People didn't know if there was going to be a tomorrow. In the end, cooler heads prevailed. Russia agreed to disengage from the idea of placing missiles in Cuba, and the infamous hotline was created between Washington, D.C. and Moscow. We in the United States refused to accept an aggressive launching pad on the doorstep of our country. When taken into context of the Russia-Ukraine conflict, one can understand Putin's apprehension about NATO's courting of Ukraine. Conversely, it's no secret that Putin believes the fall of the Soviet Union was the darkest day in contemporary history. He's also made no secret of his desire to reconstitute all the territories of the former USSR. The loss of Ukraine to NATO would further erode Putin's dreams of a resurrection of the Soviet bloc. 
But the fact remains, regardless of Putin's desires, he's going about achieving his desired goals in an unacceptable manner, and the world should not tolerate it. And as the world rebukes Putin, he seems more determined than ever to double and even triple down on his goals. Two things to also consider. First, the admittance of Ukraine into NATO, or the European Union for that matter, rings semi-hollow. The former Soviet Eastern Bloc satellite nations of Albania, Bulgaria, Croatia, Czech Republic, Estonia, Hungary, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Romania, Slovakia, and Slovenia, and all of the derivative nations that have come into existence are already members of NATO, with many accepted into the EU. Putin's dream will never come to pass. Another note of interest is that during the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis, arguably the closest the world has come to a declared nuclear war, the doomsday clock stood at seven minutes to midnight. Today, as Vladimir Putin's saber rattles about the use of nuclear weapons in Ukraine, the doomsday clock stands at 100 seconds to midnight. In the aftermath of the Bukha massacres, transmissions of Russian military radio signals were intercepted by the German Federal Intelligence Service. The communications discussed the killing of civilians in Bucha and indicated that a notorious mercenary group, the Wagner PMC Group, very well played a decisive role in the killings. Independent information sources point out that the Wagner PMC mercenaries demonstrated particular cruelty during the war in Syria. The Wagner PMC Group is a private contractor mercenary group whose owners are closely aligned with Putin and responsible for much of the condemned military actions executed on behalf of the Russian military and the Putin regime in Syria when reports of chemical weapons use were documented. Another contingent operating on behalf of Vladimir Putin and the Russian military comes out of Chechnya and is headed by Chechen warlord Ramzan Katerov. Katerov is an Islamist sycophant of Vladimir Putin's, a narcissist credited with some of the most brutal wartime atrocities of contemporary history. Recently, Putin promoted Katerov, accused of multiple human rights violations and war crimes, to lieutenant general in the Russian military. I recently sat down with Lauren Kamel Morris, a lead researcher with the Centrist Project, to discuss the topic of who Ramzan Katerov is. Lauren Kamel Morris, when we return. He calls democracy messy, props up the Chinese Communist Party, praises Xi and his regime, known for violent oppression, invests in Chinese military companies. A defector? No. It's BlackRock CEO Larry Fink, the CEO of a major American company who's gone all in on China. Can he be more anti-American? Larry Fink, BlackRock. Taking your money, betting on China. Message paid for by Consumers Research, an independent educational 501c3 nonprofit organization. Log on to www.consumerresearch.org to learn more. Welcome back to Underground USA. We talk now with Lauren Comel Morris of the Centrist Project about 
the Russia-Ukraine conflict and the Chechen elements to it all. Lauren, thanks once again for making the time. While the media focuses on Vladimir Putin using the Russian army to execute his war in Ukraine, the Russian army isn't the only fighting force doing Putin's bidding, is it? Officially, Russia has legally binding defense agreements with members of a collective security treaty organization, which is an intergovernmental alliance from 1992 that includes several countries in the region. And Russia has other trade and economic agreements with other countries, uh, such as Syria, India, Iran, and China. And they also have influence over Latin American countries. There are the Chechen jihadi fighters uh, led by Chechen leader Ramzan Kadyrov, who are involved, and we're also told there are Syrian fighters. Reports are there are give or take one million active troops and over two million in reserves. So historically, uh, Russia has had a narrative that has worked very well for their war campaigns, and that is fighting fascism and cleansing regions of Nazis and fascists. So during any Ukrainian uprising against Russia, this narrative historically has been used. And as Russia declared itself anti-fascist, any opposing party would then be a fascist and or a Nazi simply by their opposition to Moscow. So in the current narrative, um, Putin claims that he is bringing an end to Ukrainian genocide of Russians in the Donbass region by these fascists and Nazis and a denazification of the region for the defense of Russia once again against those you know, Nazis and fascists, whether visible or invisible. And he called on both Syrian and Chechen fighters, Chechen fighters to support um, and supplement his armed forces. So the narratives and the Russian propaganda are very much a part of the war, as is the actual aggression, because the information and political warfare are at a whole new level now with social media, which frighteningly has influenced the conservative right wing in the U.S. And we are seeing this happen right now from some very disturbing and distractive um, statements being made by people like Steve Bannon and Tucker Carlson, who regularly has Tulsi Gabbard on his show, um, she is a known Marxist and has many pro-communist uh, relationships. And so this narrative has been so powerful that in the American conservative movement, they're actually falling for this narrative that Putin is fighting against the globalists and ridding Ukraine of bioweapons labs, you know, and they're completely blind and deaf to this massive, you know, destruction and they're stating on social media that, that they can excuse this destruction and the slaughter of innocents because there's actually a war against elitists. And so as time goes on, I hope that narrative goes away because we're seeing mass graves and beheadings and dismemberings and all this kind of thing. Aside from that, I believe that, you know, Joe Biden 
and George Soros are doing Putin's bidding as well. Um, on Biden's, you know, Biden and Soros, you know, with our open southern border and a lack of kinetic protection for Ukraine using the excuse that, you know, we can't, can't engage. Um, experts are saying that Russia has always been prepared for the backlash of um, the sanctions and that they're not going to be effective and that Russia can withstand nuclear strikes. And the same is definitely not for us. So any narrative that Russia is not a major power in the communist bloc is simply not true. And the takeaway from this is that the ancient war tactics of all war is lies and propaganda is a basic war maneuver of uh, Putin and is what is being applied right now. And so therefore anything that they say should be thoroughly, thoroughly scrutinized. Not long ago, there was conflict between Putin and Chechnya. Can you elaborate on that history? So originally, with the conflict between Chechnya and Russia, it is a uh, history of holy war that is rife with territorial control and warring Islamic factions and ruler turnovers. Um, Chechnya wanted its independence and Russia wanted to keep the oil-rich, landlocked country under its control. So in our lifetime, Russia invaded Chechnya in 1994 to reclaim territory and were met with fierce jihadi fighters, which eventually resulted in the Russians' retreat. Uh, That opposition in Chechnya was led by Ahmed Kadyrov, who was a Muslim scholar and therefore well-schooled in waging jihad, as that being the core obligatory principle of Islamic doctrine from the Quran and the life of the Prophet Muhammad. Uh, the war was terrible and there were many atrocities, and eventually Russia retreated, leaving Chechnya in an independent but unstable state of affairs, uh, Moscow was criticized for a disproportionate use of force, which is also what we're hearing in the current conflict. And inside of Chechnya during this time, the Muslim Sufis were warring with the Wahhabis, as has been the case throughout history over what I would call claims of royalty, so to speak, and legitimacy and so on. And in 1998, Kadyrov uh, denounced the Wahhabists and sided with his former enemy, Russia. After the demise of the USSR, the Chechen region suffered some horrific terrorist attacks at the hands of Islamofascists. Are these factions what constitute the bulk of the fighting force that Putin has enlisted to join in his war in Ukraine? Well, what actually happened regarding this period of time is that the attacks, both in Russia and against the Russian-backed government inside uh, Chechnya, after Ahmed Kadyrov sided with Russia, they were carried out by Chechen separatists 
that were not aligned with Kadyrov and not loyal to Russia. And so Russia responded and atrocities from guerrilla warfare were committed on both sides. Um, international Islamic militants who carried out a series of attacks and bombings uh, with civilians and schools and businesses as targets, and there were many hundreds of people were killed. And so Russia's response was called an anti-terrorist operation, and then this began the second Chechen war in about 2000. Um, there were bombings carried out by female jihadi suicide bombers known as the Black Widows. Other Chechen militants and groups tied with Al-Qaeda or other international terrorists who attacked um, they attacked the Russian-backed uh, government in, in Grozny. And, of course, the Russians responded. And there were huge, huge street fights and guerrilla warfares, attacks on metro stations and businesses and public schools, killing many, many children. Um, the bombings in Moscow killed hundreds of citizens. And then Russia recaptured Grozny and uh, returned it to Moscow's control. Um, Ahmed was elected president in 2003, but then he was assassinated after several unsuccessful attempts. He was assassinated in 2004 at a public event. And so attacks have gone on through about 2010. However, it diminished over time due to, you know, defeats and surrenders of, of various uh, militants. What I see from the current Chechen force, actually from their social media, is something that does not look like Al-Qaeda or the, the Taliban. Um, we hear that the Chechen fighters are fierce and experienced, but we're not seeing that on their uh, social media videos that they are producing. Um, the Chechen fighters are led by Ahmed's son, Ramzan Kadyrov, and it's just really unclear right now how trained they actually are, although they look very disciplined and engaged. And we don't know who uh, are committing these uh, current atrocities on the ground that are being uncovered. Okay, the elephant in the room. Who is Ramzan Kadyrov? So Ramzan Kadyrov is Ahmed's son. And when Ahmed was assassinated, Ramzan was about 27 years old, um, which was too young to run for president at the time. But he became Chechnya's de facto ruler and... Um, he found a lot of favor with with Putin, and um, then later uh, in 2007 he was elected president. Um, he was his father's uh, leader of his security service. And of course, he was raised in a Muslim family and is a devoted is devoted to Islam. Uh, he's successful, very successful in in achieving Putin's favor and has become a wealthy man since then. Um, he's really got quite the personality. He lives life to the fullest. He's an animal lover. He loves to dance. He loves, passionately loves 
his culture and his his history. But he's also a Sharia compliant Muslim. Um, he's been called a cruel and brutal dictator as well. Um, and, you know, I have been fascinated reading and researching and studying him and wrote an article about him on my website, complete with a lot of photos and, and commentary about young Ramzan. When we talk about Katarov's Chechen fighters, aren't we talking about the same group of Islamist radicals that perpetrated or would have been recruited to perpetrate the terrorist attacks of the 1990s? I think you have to be very careful when you use the word or the term Islamist radicals or Islamic radicals, but particularly Islamist radicals. And the reason is because those words do not exist in Islam. Those are European and American words uh, used to try to diminish what is really written in the, the Quran and to separate peaceful Muslims from violent Muslims. And if there are or were different interpretations of the Quran, which there are not. Um, jihad is obligatory and it has many forms. You have to understand that Islam is a totalitarian form of government and it works as a collective. Um, the reason these words Islamist um, do not apply to anything is because the Quran is forbidden to change and that would in, because that would invalidate the word of Allah. And Muslims do not or argue over interpretations, and they also do not criticize each other for carrying out violent jihad. You also have the additional texts of the hadiths that further enforce the laws of Sharia and the obligation to follow in the footsteps of the Prophet Muhammad and to do as he did, and that also includes violence against oppressors, which would be anybody that's not Muslim or Sharia compliant, and violence against non-Muslims, which again is loud and clear in the Quran, and it is not disputed. So it's not likely that Chechen separatists are fighting for Russia because if there, are, if there are any actual separatists left inside of Chechnya, which I'm not sure that there are, I think Ramzan has done some cleansing of that country as we have seen him do with uh, clearing out all of the gays in that country to the point where when the question is asked of him, he says they do not exist. So I doubt that there are active Russian separatists inside of Chechnya. Can you elaborate on what Katarov and his forces are doing on the ground in Ukraine right now? Kadyrov is in charge of his social media and he has quite the social media presence and is very active on Telegram and some are criticizing him that the social media campaign is really all that he is doing. Um, initially, the 
video showed a collective of tens of thousands of uh, jihadi fighters all uh, together being addressed. And now we see various uh, brigades or units conducting operations under the uh, camera units that Ramzan has and follow them around. And a lot of it looks like it's just for show. You see these guys firing off weapons and shooting at abandoned buildings and running around yelling, you know, Allah Akbar. But then we also see him addressing these other units. And um, none of the audio is translated yet into English, so I'm not sure exactly what he is saying. Uh, they are very well outfitted and um, they have quite a fleet of automobiles. And, but yet, once again, we are hearing about these horrific um, atrocities that are kind of known atrocities for the spoils of war from Al-Qaeda and Al-Shabaab and, and these other, uh, you know, jihadis that wage, uh, wage war for Allah in wherever Afghanistan, Africa, wherever it is. So uh, once again, it remains to be seen what the trained units are doing versus what the security units are doing, which is where Ramzan has his experience, versus what the total social media propaganda units are doing. By virtue of the fact that Katerov can be argued to be an Islamo-fascist strongman, if not a terrorist that has ascended to power, is it fair to say that Putin is using professional terrorists to fight alongside Russian troops in Ukraine? We have to call them, I think, what they want to be called and what they call themselves, which is the holy warriors who are waging jihad for uh, the cause of Islam and for the glory of Allah. They are going to want whatever it is that's going to expand Islam in that region, be it property, the conquest of beautiful Christian or Jewish uh, cathedrals, which may be appropriate to uh, be turned into mosques, um, the spoils of war, and just a basic principle of waging jihad for Allah. The definition of terrorism, and sometimes people try to change that definition. You can see little variations when you just Google it on the internet, but the basic definition is the unlawful use of violence and intimidation against civilians in pursuit of a political aim. Uh, the, you know, fear and uh, all of the violence that goes along with that. And, and the Chechen force are a collective um, that work for Putin and not necessarily individual professional terrorists. However, once again, it remains to be seen what other individual international experienced jihadi fighters, um, who they are, who have joined the war just simply to kill non-Muslims and or, or make money. Lauren, thanks again for coming on and sharing your insights and knowledge with us. Where can we find your work? You can find me at www.laurencamelmorris.com, and that is spelled L-A-U-R-E-N-C-O-M-E-L-E, Morris, M-O-R-R-I-S.com. I'm on Twitter and Facebook under the same name, and I'm also at the Centrist Project 
org. And it was great to be with you again, Frank. Thank you so much for the interview. You're listening to Underground USA. When I come back, some closing thoughts about the Russia-Ukraine conflict and where we go from here. We'll be right back after this. Many claim race is the most important issue we face in America. Yet race is not what defines most Americans. I see myself as a confident, strong, beautiful young girl. I want to actually be the first girl on the moon. How do I see myself? I see myself as an entertainer. I like to dance, sing, and act. Sometimes I see myself as a little kid. Sometimes I see myself as a teenager. It's kind of hard to tell when you're 10. I see myself as strong. And I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. I see myself as a book. A book that you can't skip to the end and figure out what happens. A book that you have to sit and go through the pages and figure out what happens next. I think there's so many things that uh, define us and we shouldn't define ourselves by one or two things. There will be are a whole lot of things, a collection of many things. Please join us if you want to live in an America where you are defined by who you are, not by the color of your skin. This message was paid for by Color Us United, an educational nonprofit advocacy group seeking to heal the divide in America. To learn more, log on to colorusunited.org. It can't be denied that Vladimir Putin believed, truly believed, that his military was going to have a much easier time than it has in taking Ukraine back into the Russian fold. Putin underestimated the will of the Ukrainian people and their determination to remain free. But Putin being who he is, a ruthless former KGB colonel, and one with not just a few drops of blood on his hands, we shouldn't be surprised that he's not only enlisted the barbarian Katerov, but elevated him in the Russian military enterprise. Putin has indicated time and time again that he values human life very little, and with the elevation of Katerov, this is even more apparent. As we exist 100 seconds to midnight on the doomsday clock, we should recognize the reality that is coalescing around us. Russia and Communist China have made repeated statements that they are thick as thieves and both of these nations have embraced the Islamo-Fascist Republic of Iran. These three nations must be considered the 21st century's Axis powers and delineate what can only be seen as battle lines in a conflict that has yet to be fully metastasized. What a horrible time for the United States to have an incredibly weak leadership. If you like what you heard, please like this podcast on the platform that you're listening to it on. Leave a comment if you so feel. Sign up for our newsletter at undergroundusa.com so that we can keep our lines of communication open directly with you in case Silicon Valley goes off the rails again. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. We'll be right back after this.
know that Yopon is the only tea plant indigenous to the United States? Hi, I'm CJ, the owner of Emerald Coast Tea Company. We have a line of Yopon teas and Yopon tea blends that will open your eyes to tea that is literally made in the USA. Check out our entire line of teas at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mama's tea.